Welcome to episode 157. Pastors, you've been going through so much over the last seven months, and today we continue our conversation with Pastors in the Trenches with Jonathan Labarge of River of the Valley Church in Canoga Park, California. That's today on The Reclaimed Leader. Welcome to The Reclaimed Leader, a podcast by two pastors trying to lead their churches through revitalization and change. Their mission, to share their journey with you so it might help you in yours. And now, here, please welcome our hosts, Jason Tucker and Jesse Skiffington. Hey, everyone, welcome to episode 157 of The Reclaim Leader, equipping churches for turnaround change. I am Jason Tucker, here with Jesse Skiffington. How's it going, Jesse? Doing well, Jason. Just, uh, you know, here we are in the fall, we're making our way through and I love that kind of the series of conversations we're in right now, talking shop with pastors leading on the ground in local churches across the country and all kinds of different environments and different sizes of churches. So I think that's cool. And I'm just, I've really been encouraged by and uh, their stories and what the, what God's doing in their lives and their hearts and their churches. And there's some definitely some threads, some common threads that are running through it all. And then just some really unique things for us to hear from each experience too. So um, really been enjoying it. Yeah, it's been really good. I feel like it's been really, um, I'm definitely being, it's just selfishly, like I'm being fed through these conversations. I think because it's it's giving me perspective, right? Like I'm seeing, I'm hearing about what's happening in other churches. I'm identifying with those things, you know, the the tough things and the really good things, the blessings, the opportunities, the pitfalls and the challenges, like all the things that that we're experiencing now. And you know, it's so funny because pastors, it's always been a grind to do church revitalization, right? It's always been a grind. You're always dealing with criticism. You're always dealing with second guessing yourself, other people second guessing you, your your whole leadership process, all of that. Then you throw on top of it a pandemic, right? You throw on top of it all the stress of reopening, of realigning, reimagining with more financial pressure than ever and all of these things. And it's, man, it's taken everything we can muster and then some to keep going. And I just think this has been really helpful. Yeah. And we're going to hear from Jonathan Labarge today as he talks about his church in Southern California and and the things that they're going through. I mean, they were in the midst of a relaunch kind of revision, new name of their church, all this big plans and dreams and then boom, pandemic. And so just hearing how uh, his experience, and I really appreciate how he was just so honest and open about how um, kind of the impact that it had on him to not, to kind of go, you know what, uh, it's not on me. There's only so much I can do right now. So I, I think you're going to be encouraged listening to Jonathan's story. And I love if you paid attention to, as Jonathan has shared, kind of the, um, the way that his church has kind of grown and adapted over the years. This is it's just another cool look in to see what God's doing uh, there. And so anyway, really love the conversation we're going to have today. Yeah. And folks, just a reminder, if you're enjoying the podcast and you're listening along, just please share it with your colleagues. Uh, Write us a review. If you think about it, we'd love for you to write us a review on iTunes. It's a great way for people to find the podcast and to see whether there's a jillion podcasts out there, right? So it just kind of helps show that uh, this is worth people's time and hope that this is helping you in whatever ministry context you're in. And I hope that it's making a difference, that it's inspiring, encouraging, and hopefully equipping as you're uh, continuing to move forward. But now, hey, let's jump right into our conversation with Jonathan Labarge. 
Well, hey, everyone, it is so good to continue these pastoral conversations we've been having this month about everything going on in the life of the church and all of our lives and pastoring in the midst of the pandemic and all the challenges and all the signs of life that we're seeing along the way. And uh, I'm so glad to continue this conversation with Jonathan Labarge, who is the pastor at River of the Valley Church in Canoga Park, California, fellow Dodgers and Lakers fan, which always makes me so happy to talk about because nobody wants to talk to me about that out here in the Northeast. So, or anywhere else for that matter, Jason. <laughs> but we want to welcome back to the podcast, Jonathan. Welcome back. Thank you so much. Go Dodgers. That's right, baby. We're in. Real time. Real time. The World Series is kicking off here. So good luck, fellas. Hope it goes your way. Yeah. Thank you. Thank you. So last time we talked, I mean, we had you back on the, on the podcast a while ago, and you were your church was named something else, and <laughs> you were in a totally different spot. A lot of really interesting ministry, multicultural ministry. Um, really cool things going on at your church. So I thought maybe this would be a great time to remind us uh, about your church and what's been going on over the last year or so that you've been in this new this new phase. Totally, totally. Yeah, so it was a while, a little while back now that I was on talking with you guys and yeah, a completely different church name. Then we were Canoga Park Presbyterian Church. And since then we've become... River of the Valley, or or if you're speaking in Spanish, Rio del Valle. And we can get into a little bit about that. But yeah, we basically, I've been at this church now for for nine years, the nine-year mark right here uh, in September, so last month. Congratulations. And the first couple years was kind of taken over a hot mess. <laughs> My predecessor left and, um, you know, the first three, four years was getting to know everybody. And then the past four or five years has been that courageous step into what's next for the church. Uh, as a lot of churches in the Presbyterian world and tribe are, it was either going to be, is either going to be like a season moving into hospice or a season fulfilling a Phoenix type of mentality of letting things kind of transition some things end and then rising up from that. So we've, you know, the first couple of years we were wrestling, was this going to be hospice or Phoenix? <laughs> I had Phoenix <laughs> idea when I came in, apparently a few other people had hospice idea, but we worked through that <laughs> and came out on the other end as, as Phoenix. So I guess, is it about two years, year and a half now since I was on with you guys? Yeah, I think so. And uh, yeah, so lots, a lot has continued to change and adapt and evolve just within those last two years. So let's drill down on that a little bit. Um, tell us about River of the Valley, how you, how you chose that name. I know that when I got to visit you in your church, how long ago was that now? A year or so, maybe? Ago, yeah, about, yeah. Something like that. Yeah. Um, you were kind of talking through the plans and the ideas, and it was so cool and fascinating. I just thought maybe you, you kind of pull the curtain back on that a little bit. And, and how'd you end up as River of the Valley and and what's that process been like? Definitely. So we, there are three things that are playing into that moment of, do we change the name or not? Um, one, with a lot of churches trying to figure out how to, how to wear Presbyterian well, um, we, just, we got to a moment in which having that as our handshake was no longer seemingly serving us. 
um, you know, people, you guys know, either you know what Presbyterian is and you're excited about it, you know what Presbyterian is and you, you're not excited about it, or you don't know what Presbyterian is and you're suspicious. <laughs> so <laughs> when, our, when our handshake with people was, you know, hey, we're suspicious and then kind of smile big at them or, you know, hey, we think you're not going to like us. It's just a hard way to sometimes start the conversation off, particularly in our multicultural, multi-ethnic, multilingual church where a lot of a lot of people are coming from even cultures and backgrounds in which Presbyterian wasn't part of their vocabulary. So first it was just wrestling with the actual word Presbyterian in our name. And now we're unequivocally Presbyterian. You go on our website, you 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 come to worship. I mean we say the word Presbyterian. It's not like we're hiding it. It's just not our handshake. Um, also we I was just saying like life cycle. So the church has now been here for 65 years. We're we're celebrating next month our 65th anniversary. And, you know, we were in this season of a lot of those, a lot of those founders are right now going to be with the Lord. And, um, what is, was the church going to also take that route or was it going to let some things end even, even die so that there could be this rising up into this next 65 years the Lord would have for them. So I don't know, about five years ago, I think there was a momentum shift in, yeah, we want to we want to do this for sixty five more years. We want to see where the Lord's going to take this, or at least be open to that, right? We do, we can't always come in and program that. We have to be open to what the Lord's going to do. But they did. They they took that brave decision as leaders. Um, that's a whole that's a whole conversation itself of getting those leaders ready to to be brave in that moment. Um, you know, because we talk about the difference between technical and adaptive change. An adaptive change often will require something ending and, and dying, kind of like that mm-hmm. phoenix death, but then you can rise up to life. So part of the name change is to also put like an Ebenezer in the ground or not as much looking back as an Ebenezer, but like, like a signpost or, or something saying we were something and now we're going to be something modified, adapted, even new. And then the third part of it is is vision. So the challenge and also call of this particular church is that it is multicultural, multi-ethnic, multilingual. Um, and it's not just aspirational. It's just who the church currently now is after 30 years of, I think, bearing that, that vision and, and aspiration. It's the lived reality. We have worship services in English and Spanish. We have about 70% of our people are, are um, actually international people. Um, but in the beginning of this past year, the end of, end of ni- 2019, we were making even further decisions into embracing who we, who we are. Um, ever since I've been at the church, maybe in, maybe in 1995, uh, having an English and Spanish service as one church was, was cutting edge. Uh, in 2020, we now needed to push further if we were going to be, if we were going to be listening to the call of Christ and do so in a way that was, that was courageous, that was sacrificial. So we did some staff realignments. We, uh, we changed uh, our, our worship leadership. We changed how we do our worship services. We changed staff. Uh, and also all the unification of the church. Now, part of this is the name. So before, Canoga Park Presbyterian Church was typically what you would hear people say in English. And then our Spanish side of our church would use a name they had to come up with to describe the second worshiping community on campus, Comunidad Cristiana. So you could see every time we talked about our church, we were bifurcated. We were in two separate communities, yeah. two separate realities. 
And then our staffing too. We had a pastor. I was the lead pastor over it all, but then we also had this associate pastor that was really the pastor of the Spanish speaking group. Um, so we kind of, we kind of dissolved all this and realized moving forward, we needed a name. If this was going to be our vision, we were going to push that further. We needed a name that would, that would represent both sides of the church at the same time. So we, we flirted with, you know, going completely out of Spanish or English, like some Greek name, like agape or something. So we could fully transcend language, but none of those really caught on with, with our group. Um, we, we formed a, a name search committee. So Presbyterian. Yes, we formed yes, a team. Nicely done. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> In case anyone was afraid that you had not <laughs> stayed Presbyterian, that just sealed it. That's right. Totally did. Uh, <laughs> but it was, it was a group of, of the younger side of our church from, from both the English and Spanish speaking mm-hmm. sides. And even one of our Persians that had um, come to Christ in this, in the past two years was on the group. And so, uh, mm-hmm. you know, this, I think this was the first moment where I saw, I saw the vision starting to, to play out of how can we bring this even further together as a manifestation of the power mm-hmm. of Christ upon us. Um, we, I saw these, these young people that had until this moment been separated coming together over the vision. And as they talked about the, the name and, and ideas they had for what the name could be, they also began to speak mm-hmm. vision over what the church could be going. It was neat to hear them because they would they would bring a name in or we would we would get together and meet and talk about the names and and we would research on other people. So they would take it and talk to their friends about how they felt about the names. And when they came back, they they'd start talking about it. Yeah, this name, I like it because it represents this part of who we're trying to be is how the language they would use. And then the best moment is towards the end of the process. I had this group. There were about 12 of them, you know. There's a number 12 in the Bible somewhere. And we had them <laughs> make a half circle uh, on the church, on the stage in the church. And, um, and for the whole back part of one of our worship services, we did it in English. And then same thing in Spanish is they, they were presenting the three top names. And we each had one person that was like a champion for each of them. And the church got to see this younger generation basically describing their heart for who, who they imagined the church to be and, and who we want to be. Um, and then, and then I think it was a week or two later, we prayed and, and voted, but yeah, it was, it ended up being a very, I didn't foresee that moment uh, of, the, yeah. of this younger generation being able to speak into the future of the church. And yeah, river of the Valley, real del Valle is, is how we, is how we ended out. That's awesome, man. Really cool to see that, especially because I think you, didn't you have like two sessions even before or something? And you was really a differentiated community within the whole, or, or you didn't have representation on your session from we, we always had a session. We always had a session that had half and half. So okay. we always have half English, half the Spanish. Um, but we also had basically like two, two sessions off of those. So our, our yeah. session was almost like a presbytery. And then gotcha. we had like two sessions operating off the sides. Yeah. And so this kind of had the, the, the way of bringing everybody together across the same the same direction, which I think is so awesome, dude. It's just fun to, you know, we've been kind of getting to watch your journey from a little bit afar and I just love it, dude. It's so fun to see just over the years, the progression of not only your leadership and going from, I think some pretty hard moments along the way in leadership to like plowing through and, and to seeing this vision come to life. It's awesome, man. I love it. 
Yeah, well, part of part of the vision, and I think this this would be important to hear, I think, across the board for our current time of churches trying to understand some of the some of the the qualities of a church that are seeking to be reconciliatory um, across cultures is something it's one thing to have a church that has a diversity sitting sitting in the worship service and it's it's a different thing i believe to have that diversity in the highest positions of power within the church like on session making the decisions or on staff so something that i've been constantly trying to push to in this church is it's not good enough to call yourself multi-ethnic or multicultural to have people there um the fact that I, you know, as, as this, you know, typical white Presbyterian male is in the top leadership, I, I find that as a challenge to almost go over the top um, in making that multi-ethnic, multicultural reality possible throughout the rest of the staff or in leadership. We, I, I think that shared power is crucial to fully have that multicultural, multi-ethnic reality. And, you know, and so we have the luxury of hearing all the things that have worked out. And I know that nine years, I know there have, there's been a lot of fires and a lot of messes and, you know, you make an identity sort of change or name change. And I'm sure there were some people who were not on board with that, who, and it's just a reminder of revitalization always sounds like a great idea. And it's something that everybody wants, but not everybody has the wherewithal. And honestly, the complete spiritual dependence to weather it. it. It's, you have to know what you're getting into. And I'm sure you could probably look back and be like, yeah, that was not easy, but you know, well, I'm I mean, really excited years. about where we are. Yeah. Nine years to get to this moment. Yeah. Um, and even still, I, this past year, <laughs> COVID aside, but this past year, it's, it's been a constant wrestling. I mean, you know, where, where are we? How far have we gotten? How fast have we gotten there? Um, I always come back to, you know what? I, I'm not sure we could have gone much faster um, with, the yeah. type, with the type of fundamental cultural church change that was needed. I'm not sure you could go much faster without seeing the whole thing collapse because there's that relational equity and every time you make a change, you spend it. And so you kind of have to build it again. <laughs> That's, <laughs> That's right. exactly right. Um, well, it goes, yeah, it goes all the way back. Remember, Jason, I think it was our second episode with Jim Mead. And it was talking about the relationship between suffering and leadership. And when you're leading change, I mean, it's not about just about us. It's about a whole community. But I mean, certainly as leaders, man, we bear the, the scars of that, of those changes and hard conversations and unfair things. But then our community too, I think also bears some of the, that together, you know, we're suffering with loss when we're letting go of a past identity or different kinds of things. So I think my leadership, as I've been here now at Marineview for 11 years, and you're in nine and Jason, you're at eight, I think eight yeah. right? And I, I have more compassion, I think, for the congregation as a whole and the suffering that we've gone through together than just this sort of introspective, I went through hard things trying to lead change. And I've kind of seen the toll that it's taken on all of us in really good, healthy ways, but it wasn't without a cost for the yeah, whole. Totally. Thing. Yeah, totally. Yeah. I, I, we, so the beginning of this year, when we made that strategic decision that, you know, I, the idea was that it would be for a season where I would take on the teaching role for both sides of the church. So since, since January, I've been 
preaching in English and Spanish every Sunday. That was going to be for a couple months to really, <laughs> you know, to really glue together this future. Well, you know, COVID hit and yeah. finances and everything. We've <laughs> here I am still doing that three month plan, but you know, I had people coming to me that were not all that were not completely sold on this on this change, and and it was it was articulated in the ways that kind of put the pressure on me. Like, well, this is what you wanted. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I step back from that. I, 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 I retreat to the Lord. And is this what I wanted or is this something you're doing? And, and it, you have to keep going back, <laughs> keep, keep taking those hits and, and letting them take you back to the Lord. And is this what you want? Or is this me? Mm-hmm. Like, where, like, where is that in this? Like, where do I stop? Where do you begin? And making sure. So there's spiritual formation. I think that's important for us pastors and leaders. Like, is this about me? Is this about what the Lord wants? Is this church? Is this, is this making my name great? Like, what is this? So that that's part the of crazy it. part, Jonathan. I think Jason and I, we've talked a little bit about this, but it's some of both, right? It's a mess yeah. because there is yeah. some of our identity in there and probably maybe even our agenda at some point, but hopefully God is big enough and gracious enough <laughs> to work his purpose through even our messiness as leaders. And uh, yeah, but that's a, that's the, the tightrope kind well, of thing. That just recently something happened um, in terms of starting a ministry. And I, I think it was the first time that I, I understood in acts where it says, you know, the spirit of Jesus prevented them from entering the city. Mm. And I was like, I bet you it was something like that. And then the mm. best way they could describe it was this, because I've always wondered what did that look like? And I, I think we encounter those moments too, where, you know, we, we can put ourselves in the service of the Lord, you know, Lord, if this is what you want, I'm walking through this. And then sometimes <laughs> the answer is actually, you know what? You're not going to enter that minute. You're not going to enter that city. You're not going to go that direction. I think the Lord is gracious to to stop us when when we are trying to do our best and it's not the direction. Yeah. So you go through this big change and all of the complexities of that change and then bang. COVID hits. And I, I now it, this is really fascinating, you know, like for like all of us, we had different kind of ministry agendas and hopes and dreams and plans. Uh, our church was planning perhaps uh, opening a satellite campus. We were talking about all sorts of different opportunities. Absolutely everything regarding that fell through everything. Uh <laughs> That it turns out the presbytery decided that the best thing to do was to sell to a, another co- congregation that was already nesting there. We didn't have the financial, ba- you know, buffer that we had that we were planning to use for ministry. We had to spend that on staying afloat. We, I, I mean, it was like one thing after another. All of our plans for 2020, none of them realized. However. <laughs> Not a total loss, right? A lot of signs of life and blessings. So I'm just kind of curious for you now. I mean, with the added issue of this kind of relaunch and now COVID hits, what has this been like for your leadership, for you as a pastor, personally, congregationally? I mean, talk to us about that. Yeah, I remember, Jason, you talking a little bit about that when we did have that meeting for coffee. uh, however long that was, I remember you being pretty excited about those potential, uh, new, new directions. So, okay. I share that because <laughs> we, we had, as we did restructure things, staffing wise, we had a, a new ministry leadership model where, 
where everything had been two before we were bringing them together. So our youth ministry is now going to be one. Our children's ministry is now going to be one. So one curriculum done in English and Spanish. Uh, we, we had our small group ministry that was going to be now joined together. So we had, we had trained our, our, I had trained my, my session leadership team. They were, they were, they were now forming these, these kind of two by two, one English, one Spanish elder together, taking on one of the ministry areas of small groups, youth, children, whatever. And they, they were, they were ready to go. We had, we had all these manuals developed on how they were going to do their work. They, we had a, we had this beautiful worship service where I, you know, I just preached the storm in the church and everybody was so excited about moving forward. And at the end of the sermon, I had them all walk to a different elder and they put their name on a list on what ministry area they were going to serve in for this next year. I really like put their feet to the fire that they had to support their leaders and go serve in one of these areas. And it worked. And I walked into my office and I think I put on social media that afternoon. Like I held up all the papers, like, look at you guys responded. Yay. In two weeks, we're coming together in the evening and we're having our first of three throughout the year, um, worship training nights. I think it was for the third Saturday in March. COVID shut us down two days before. Oh, <laughs> man. We were, I, it was, it was exciting. It was, it felt like for the first time we were going to go on the offensive in terms of that larger chess game of the church for five years. We I, I kind of had this larger narrative, this meta thinking happening on, on this plan. And it felt like it had been building for March, um, both in terms of the leadership structure, but also we, you know, we had just redone our website. We were, we were going to be doing um, a relaunch campaign all through Lent leading into Easter, um, giving our people the ability to do that, but also pouring money that we had a grant. We got money to, to be doing this on social media. It was, it was our moment. Really. It was, mm -hmm. we were, we were putting everything into that moment and then, yeah. And then COVID and it just completely derailed every single good intention that we had. <laughs> oh, that's so tough. And so if you were like us at all, we were kind of like, as a staff team, we were talking, we we're like, okay, well, let's plan an Easter service because probably we're going to be shut down for two weeks and then we'll be back. So we kind of need to be ready. right? <laughs> yeah. And here we are, you know, seven months later and everybody's got their own sort of um, variation of what's happened since then, whether you've been meeting in person some or not or whatever. But so all those plans kind of get derailed in that moment. What's it been like since? What have you guys been doing? How have you been uh, moving through this time? Yeah. So in some ways there, in some ways there has been some unforeseen grace in this, you know, if just for me personally, the, there, there was a couple of weeks there where I was, you know, why, why is this happening? Like, how do we, how do we, pick up the pieces and, and put them together and all that. But then there was this moment of grace and relief. Interestingly in my own heart, it's like I, I suddenly wasn't responsible for it working. Like there was nothing I could do and no one was expecting me to be able to make it launch in that moment. And I realized, wow, I, I was putting a very high percentage of the success, potential success of this on my shoulders. Mm. And I, and it wasn't a healthy amount. Like I, I could realize that the amount of relief I felt <laughs> that things suddenly couldn't work was, was not good. So I, there's, there's also been a very positive thing for my own spiritual formation as a pastor 
of letting go of some of that, that strategy, not strategizing, but making me the Messiah figure for the church moving forward, which I, I was always aware of and, and concerned about, but maybe it took like things actually completely derailing um, for me to accept it maybe. Um, but then again, like as, as COVID's hit and as I've been trying to help the church move forward, I, I I'm so tempted to once again, take up that Messiah rule. I'm going to make the church work during COVID. And then I start, you can easily start over-functioning again. And I got to a couple of moments in the past seven months where like, I was just spending so much time trying to create enough hype or FOMO or something on the computer where um, like I was just getting digitally burned out. I had to walk away. There were a couple of weeks in a row where I wrote my sermon with my own pen on paper because I just couldn't be on a computer anymore. Yeah. So, I mean, there has been some grace there and in, in letting the Lord be Lord over the church and and not feeling like I need to be the one or our leadership needs to be the one that's making it happen. And then there's been some other things. I mean, the music team in our church has always been separate. The worship services of our church have always been separate. We had a session meeting, wonderful Zoom session meeting, but anyways. Aren't those the best? Meeting. They're the best, <laughs> especially when you're dealing with majority of the people coming from other countries and the technology side isn't always there for it. It's just, it's, it's been a hot mess trying to get people on zoom meetings. Yeah. Anyways. So we get everybody on, we're having this amazing meeting. And I say, so what are we going to do moving forward? It looks like this was, you know, three, four months ago. It looks like we're going to, we can probably start doing um, services outside in the near future. One of our Latino, Latina um, session members surprised me. She said, what if we try and just have one service? I, my mouth hit the floor because it's, it's been a constant struggle for me to get the church to, to think in that way of maybe doing things together has some qualities that, that, that outweigh trying to stay separated because that's kind of been the narrative up to this moment. It would not have happened if we had not been in this position. So we started that next Sunday of trying to figure out how we do a worship model us together. And we've, we've adapted it as we've gone and it's gotten better and better, but there have been a couple of things like this where because, because everything has dissolved, it's, it's given us the ability to think, okay, well, how do we want to rebuild it in a way that will be maybe even closer to where we see our, our call as a church. So that's, that's been beautiful. Yeah, that's, that's awesome. awesome. And who knows yeah. on the far end, maybe some of the other strategic ministry ideas will more naturally flow out of that, that unity that you've been experiencing. But man, yeah, there's been, I, so have, have you personally, how have you guys been handling it as a family? Are you guys kind of making your way through doing okay? Or what's that been like on the other end? <sighs> well, from the moment that we started to do worship in my home and broadcast it out um, probably was also the moment I should have started calling um, marriage counselors to figure out how to process the, yeah. the repercussions <laughs> Poor Christy. Um, so, you know, she, she would be on, on the beginning of those, of the whole worship service. We, we had my, we had my phone in my living room and, you know, broadcast and I thought people did. And um, So she had the role of, coming on and helping lead some of the liturgy in the beginning 
and then running off and trying to, to play like pastor on the computer with the people that were engaging. And then also um, try and keep the kids quiet, which, you know, with a, oh with a five and eight year old. <laughs> and then we did that from 10 to 11 and then jump on again at noon for the Spanish to do it all over again. Wow. So Sundays became uh, kind of a high stress moment mm-hmm. for our family. And it took, I want to say that it took a month for us to figure out how to do it in a way that, that we, we found a rhythm that was good, but I, I might even be lying a little bit that we ever even found the rhythm. I think we were kind of surviving them. Um, so that as a family, I think we were challenged. Um, eventually, you know, we were able to, to go back to moving, moving worship back on campus outside and, and that helped a lot in terms of the rhythm that we have. But yeah, no, it was it was a challenge from day one to to pick it up and move it forward. Yeah, you, you mentioned about taking a digital break, which I mean, I think I definitely resonate with that. Like I was so uh, burned out. Were you able to get some some time off or away? Because I mean, you're in a tough spot. Where I mean, I, even though you don't I want everything relying on you, there is a lot that's relying on you. So we're able to do that. Yes, they're not in the beginning. So it was rough. We we hit January one, and like I said, I I intentionally decided, and this was we knew it was coming that I would do a sprint for about three months of really being the lead teaching pastor, uh, also like executive pastor on both sides of the church for for that three months. And, I, and we knew that after three months, I would probably get close to burnout, but it was a, a strategic decision to bring the church together. Of course, January, February, March, you know, so COVID hits mm. and then the, the sprint just changed, like hurdles were added. <laughs> um, <laughs> and well said. yeah, so again, for another two months, um, it was, it was hard. Now, the, the other thing about COVID though, is everything did kind of stop. Everything did kind of breakdown. So there was also, there was also those moments where we could stop as a family and mm-hmm. just be home and, and do nothing. <laughs> um, and then again, this is something that the Lord has done. There's been a few people in our church um, that have stepped up uh, saying, Hey, maybe I, I think maybe I'm getting a call to go to seminary. And we had another leader come um, both a Spanish speaker and an English speaker. And so um, it's been the case now for the past three months in a row. There's been one month where I've been pushing them up, <laughs> having them start to to get into their preaching mode. And literally we've Christy and I and the kids like this past weekend, we just go mm-hmm. camping. So um, we, we've been intentional now of trying to step away. Uh, let the church not be something we have to fix or solve or run completely and be okay. That's great. That's great. And you know, for all of us, it's just a great reminder. And I feel like you have always mentioned that when we've talked, like you've talked about balance and making sure that, and it's all awareness, right? So you make strategic decisions that you know of a season where you're going to be out of balance and you just know it and you plan for it. And then you exactly. try to achieve it on the other end. And that's just so, so important. And I hope all the pastors listening right now really take that to heart and pastor, make sure that you're building into your rhythm a regular time where you can just get away or be off or find someone to come in and preach or teach or something, because there's no way we all can sustain this 
as much as we're all trying to sustain it. And so I, I just think that's a great reminder. I'm glad that 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 is um, that you've had an opportunity to do that. Where do you think if you had to kind of put your finger on it, are there some signs of life that you're excited about right now, whether for you personally or in the life of the church? Yes. The, the involvement of leaders in the, this past two to three months uh, has been inspirational for me personally. And I think it's been important for the church. So you know, coming out of, out of everything completely stopping um, and then, and then finding a way for us to move forward. I mentioned the example of, of the elder saying, Hey, well, if we try and do something together, that has had a lot of ramifications. For instance, now our, our music team has been brought together. So all of these young people in our church that didn't really interact before are now suddenly working on a team together in mission and ministry. You know, there, the signs of life for the future have grown, even though, even though there's been so much that has been out of our, out of our plans that have derailed even our plans. And Jesse, I think you named it a second ago, like maybe, maybe even, <laughs> maybe yeah. even um, there are ways in which what, what has changed will will help us grow into what we hoped we were becoming in a better way. Mm-hmm. And, you know, I, I, I trust that. I mean, our, our finances, I think churches, some are, some are not experiencing big differences in finances. We are, you know, our, our church with its high uh, first generation community, we um, just, you know, we're running about 60% right now in the year. And it's, it's a huge challenge for us moving forward, but, uh, at the same time, all of it, there's been a number of uh, things that have happened in the church where it feels like Gideon's army, where the Lord takes us down to the river and is like, okay, like the majority of you <laughs> or your finances or something, we're going to be, are going to be stripped. And in the back end of this, you're going to have to come back and tell me it's because of you, you Lord, it's only because of you that we had success. And I feel like that's happened a number of times to the point now where even with things like 60% financial or having some people simply not engaging at all because they can't digitally, there's these types of things that uh, I'm much more willing nine years later to say, okay, I don't like it, but let's do it. I, I trust that we can go somewhere with it. So that, that's been encouraging for me. Again, continual spiritual formation. And isn't, I mean, all of us in our churches right now, I think are facing some form of like a Gideon's army experience. Like, but Lord, I like I needed all those people to help win this battle. Like I needed whatever that was. Um, it's alarming at the number of people that God sent home <laughs> in that story, um, and how the odds were completely stacked against him. It's alarming to our logic and and our sense of security. Um, so I think we all need to kind of rest that the Lord, the Lord's got it. We we <laughs> we can we can trust that. Yeah. I'm Very well said. Man. Yeah, it's good stuff. Well, thank thanks so much for being on with us today. I mean, um, you know, it's funny as you're talking, I just can't help think of what the overall feeling I've definitely had over the last six, seven months is that God's tearing down a lot of those idols that church in America has put up and have just become so accustomed to them that we don't even we didn't even know they were idols. And it's like he's he's breaking them down and he's 
like for example, church growth. Church growth is, is an awesome thing. I'm a firm believer in it that healthy things grow. Um, but it has been so skewed to say that like if you are not growing in attendance consistently at a certain percentage, then something's off. Right. Or, you know, what can you do to make sure that you are <laughs> continuing, right? Like what are the seven steps that you need to do in mm-hmm. order to, and well, at the same time, church growth is important because you want to reach as many people for Jesus as possible. Like, and, and yet it's like the whole way that we count attendance, the whole way that our whole model, it just feels like all of those weak foundational structures have crumbled and maybe it's a good thing they did. It just hurts. <laughs> yeah. it, it hurts. It gives us anxiety. Yeah. Anytime there is growth, there's growing pains. Um, I, yeah. yeah, I totally agree. I think this is a time in which a lot of what we've seen in our churches to be important are being shown maybe not as important as we thought. Um, I, I think maybe I mentioned last time I was on, the Reformed tradition is based on courage, right? I mean, our our tribe should be known for the courage that those those Luthers had and stepping up and saying, here I stand and, and being willing to name the idols that we have in our churches. And um, I think, again, if, if we're going to keep moving forward as this tribe and, and bear this reformed, this reformed torch well, it's going to be continual courage in saying, you know, it's, it's okay if the Lord wants to change some things. Like we, God is still good and the church is still God's vision and we're still here to serve it. Uh, and it's going to be at times a sacrificial, a sacrificial decision and painful, right? I mean, you just said it. <laughs> Sometimes it's going to be painful to let certain things go. But you know what? Like the next, the next phase is, is always one in which if we're sacrificing self, we're stepping into that Romans 12 vision of, of Paul being living sacrifices. He says is, is, is that was pleasing to God. And also therefore it should be logically what we want. So in some very real ways, we as pastors right now have a, a gift of being able to see the church almost like you would back in 10th grade biology, like the frog came in and it's all dissected. Like we have a chance right now to see like church deconstructed and using that reformation courage, like, well, okay. So what, what could, what could actually be a good change in this? Like what, what idols are being pointed out? And I think we're, we're have this anatomy before us of lesson of, of the church and, Maybe, maybe we as reformed people have some, have some ability to move forward because we do have, we do have the, the theology training from seminary and we do have ways we we can think about this stuff. And I guess maybe we need to encourage everybody to not forget, don't forget our training. Um, don't forget, like we have a theology of worship that we can, we can use right now and, um, and let it inform where we're going forward as, I mean, there is there is such a great need right now in this world yeah. for for the church. I mean, people are in such despair right now and fear, uh, and it's this is the moment the church can step up. And if we're so worried about recuperating what we had, right, isn't it possible we would miss the opportunity to speak 
life and hope into that despair and death. Yeah, that's good stuff, man. Amen. So it's a good time to be yeah. Presbyterian after all, apparently. Yeah, right? That's right. <laughs> yeah. I love it, man. So good and so good to hear your heart and all the things that God's doing in you as a leader and in uh, your congregation. It's, it's so much fun, dude. It's just it's great. good stuff. So I, I imagine, Jonathan, that people may uh, hear you and just be really interested in maybe reaching out to you. Maybe they're in a similar situation. Uh, is, there, is there an easy way that people can do that if they wanted to reach out and maybe ask you a question or two? Oh, yeah. Send me, send me an email. It's so, yeah, totally open to that. So you can, you can kind of link it there. But it's just you can send it to my last, my last name, which is Labarge, and then dot Jonathan. That's at Gmail. Totally. Feel free. I would love to engage anybody on this stuff. <laughs> you're awesome, dude. And I tell you, just if you get it five minutes, 10 minutes with Jonathan, you're not going to regret it. Uh, you just <laughs> got good, good wisdom and good insight. And I, anytime we get to connect and interact, man, I just feel encouraged. So thanks for your heart and the way that you're leading, as, you know, with passion and with grace in the midst of all this. No, nay, definitely. Anytime. And thanks. Thanks you guys also for hosting these conversations, obviously a, a benefit for all. Well, Jason, so much fun to get to talk to with Jonathan. You know, Jonathan, we go way back to you know our days together in seminary, but just always encouraging. I love checking in with Jonathan, and he's got such a, a great heart and belief in what God is doing in and through their congregation. Hasn't always been an easy road, but um, I've just I've been um, continually to be just encouraged by his willingness to keep moving forward, trusting what God's doing in, in, in their midst. And so anyway, I kind of wanted to just kind of land with this thought though, that we were circling around of just how do we stay connected to, to people who can be that uh, source of encouragement to us after we stopped recording, we were like, how can we be in each other's life uh, more often? And let's just, let's reflect on that for a minute. Why is it so important to have people like Jonathan or Jason in our lives as pastors. Yeah, I think for me, it's, you really feel like you are known and that you are understood and that you are cared for. And you have people who, I mean, this is the hard thing about the mantle of pastor, right? I mean, there are a lot of things, I mean, I I joke about this all the time. I see what other people do to work full-time for a living. I really have it easy in a lot of ways. Mm-hmm. Um, there are some demands of the job for sure that are stressful and, and everything else, but to feel like you don't have to be on in, in a group of people who understand what it's like to be in your position is just invaluable. I mean, it, yeah. it can encourage you in a way that, that you can't get anywhere else. It's like, um, I just did a sermon yesterday on suffering and how we are, connected in our suffering. If I've suffered in a similar way that you have, I can walk alongside you and give you the kind of comfort. And as Second Corinthians says, it's, as I receive comfort from the Lord, I, I can then give that comfort to you mm-hmm. in the suffering. And there's something powerful and good about that fellowship of suffering that is definitely from God. And I feel like that's a lot of that happens when you talk with other pastors or people who kind of get where you're at is you have that kind of bond and you could speak into each other's lives in a really powerful way. Yeah. And I know a lot of probably our listeners have people like that in their lives, or hopefully you do. And if not, there's something worth taking a step toward, you know, um, finding one or two people, maybe reaching out to somebody you haven't talked to in a long time, but you kind of resonated with and just saying, Hey, would you be willing to start a once a month, you know, zoom check-in just to 
listen and, and maybe pray for each other. And, um, you know, I think great relationships grow out of shared experiences over time. And so if that's your, you're hungry for that, you got to start somewhere and that relationship is going to grow and develop. And anyway, so don't want to lecture people on that, but it is definitely worth the investment of, uh, uh putting that energy into those relationships that are going to be an encouragement to you, help you keep going. Well, thanks everyone for listening again. Hope this is encouraging to you. And I am excited that next week we're going to have on the podcast for the first time, Carl Vaders, who uh, is a big champion and well-known speaker and writer on for small church ministry. And I think so many of our churches uh, are in that category of smaller congregation. I mean, at the average size of church in America, 75 people. So a lot of our pastors and many of you who are listening are in that category. And I love the encouragement and the wisdom that we get from Carl and I'm really excited to have him on the podcast next week. Yeah, he's going to be great. I, I had a chance to sit in, I think it was at the rethink leadership conference that he did a breakout. And I was just kind of curious about uh, his viewpoint on, on smaller congregations and, and you're going to really enjoy getting to hear from him, especially if that's your church, but even if it's not, um, you know, Marine View is kind of a mid-sized church, but I really benefited from hearing from Carl's experience and just some of the leadership lessons and reminders that he gave. So um, don't miss that. That'll be coming up here. Um, what? What is kind of a week and a half out, something like that in, in real time. And we'll kind of go from there. All right. Well, hey, everyone, have a great week and we'll catch you next time. Thank you for listening to Reclaimed Leader. Join us next time for more insights, interviews, and resources to help you in your leadership journey.